The opinions expressed in the Palace of Glittering Delights are mine and mine alone. No one would be stupid enough to hold them. The things discussed in the Palace of Glittering Delights may lead to spoilers if you have not seen the topic of today's episode. There may also be occasional ranting and swearing. Don't say I didn't warn you. I was recently listening to Death by Rock and Roll, the latest album from The Pretty Reckless, released on February 12th, 2021. Midway through the album, there's a song called 25. Now, 25 is a pretty good song in and of itself. Very melancholic and clearly looking back on life from the vantage point of someone still relatively young. Lead singer and writer Taylor Momsen has also said it's referencing the age of 27, an age many famous rock stars don't make it past. But was it supposed to be the theme to the 25th James Bond film, No Time to Die? No Time to Die finally came out in September of 2021, nearly two years after it was supposed to be released due to that little pandemic thing that went on. During that time, the theme, by Billie Eilish, was given significant airplay, as it was released to the world just before the pandemic hit, building up hype for what should have been the film's release. I can find no record that anyone else was ever in the running to record the theme, and no one, as far as I could see, ever claimed that Eilish wasn't the only choice. And yet... And yet... 25, written by Taylor Momsen and Benjamin T. Phillips, is sonically like a Bond theme. Listen to this opening. Momsen has said that this song is a mediation on her life so far, and that New York itself is represented in the song. That's great, and it sounds genuine, and it's a legitimately good song, representing, like the entire album, a growing maturity in the Pretty Reckless as songwriters and as a band. However, the lyrics make me go, hmm, let's overanalyze, should we? Just for fun. The first line, year one was lots of fun, but nothing lasts forever in my dreams, can be read as a reference to the first Bond film if you're slightly deranged, like I am. Doctor No was the first film in the series, and one that was successful beyond the wildest dreams of all involved. A stretch, you say? <laughs> oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. And two, I followed you, because you knew the way, or so it seemed, points to the second Bond film, From Russia With Love, following Bond and actor Sean Connery as he grew in confidence. Knew the way, one might say. With the third line, and three, I still believed that we would be becoming destiny. And four, I wanted more, but you were moving on to better things. Goldfinger was film three, generally regarded to be a high watermark in the series. 
but by the fourth film, Thunderball, Connery was ready to move on. Playing Bond in four films over four years and all the attendant attention was beginning to wear him down. He wanted to move on to better things. Possibly. Now, I know what you're thinking, and you're right. Andrew, you're thinking, come on, man. Yes, 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 it's all reaching, I grant you. Until the chorus. At 25 and still alive, much longer than expected for a man, at 25 all hope has died, and the glass of my intentions turned to sand, and shatters in my hand. Film 25 was no time to die, and that they are still making these films after nearly 60 years is far longer than anyone ever thought that they would last. All Hope Has Died tells of the film's themes, but far more relevant, my intentions turn to sand and shatters in my hand. Shatterhand is an alias of Ernst Stavros Blofeld, used in the novel for You Only Live Twice, a book No Time to Die borrows heavily from. It was also rumoured for a long time to be the title for the 25th Bond film. <laughs> See, you're intrigued now, aren't you? Huh? You, know, you thought I was making this up. No, 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 no. Let's continue. Five to six, a lie, a kiss. The secrets that were served, we'd never say. You Only Live Twice and On Her Majesty's Secret Service were films five and six and deal with Bond undercover for a lot of the screen time. A lie. And marrying. A kiss. And also Connery saying he'd never return to Bond. Never say never. Again. Plus the line, the secrets that were served we'd never say. James Bond works for the Secret Service. He knows an awful lot of things that he can never talk about. They are, perhaps, for your eyes only. The song continues, and, as if to reference the former, the next line, skip to eight, we called it fate, skips Connery's return, Diamonds Are Forever, and leaps straight to Roger Moore's debut, Live and Let Die. Moore, being Bond, was fate. He'd been courted a few times over the years, but the timing never worked out until 1973, when Moore's TV show, The Persuaders, was cancelled, leaving him open to take the role when George Lazenby and Sean Connery both declined to return. However, the next line, to live, to let us die another day. Oh, come on! Again, I ain't making this up. These are the lyrics to the song. Which leads to... And nine, I saw the signs. Reflected in the barrel of a gun. Film nine was the man with the golden gun. I'm not quite prepared to rest my case just yet, but I am not making this up, nor am I leaping to conclusions. I'm taking a dainty little step where the conclusions lie. Ten... We're here again. Those who loved me burned up in the sun. Ten was the spy who loved me. So there could be an allusion to that, but there's no burning up in the sun in the film. But hey, artistic license is acceptable. We then get the chorus again, which I've already touched upon. And then we leap to, from 11, 12, I held the future in my grasp. 
and all through my teens I screamed, I may not live much past twenty-one, two, three, four. Eleven and twelve, a moonraker, and for your eyes only. So, I kind of got nothing. But twenty-one was Casino Royale, a rebirth for the franchise, and one that assured its future. So, irony? Now, all of this is mindless musings. Some fun. My reading of this flatly contradicts what Taylor Momsen has said, and no one has ever confirmed that this was ever a serious contender for a Bond song. Nothing would make me happier, though, for Taylor Momsen to hear this and laugh and laugh that I am so far off base. But art is open to interpretation, and if this wasn't a Bond theme, then hopefully the Pretty Reckless will one day get the chance to do the real thing. If only because Taylor Momsen could totally pull it off. If you want to hear the whole song, pop on YouTube where the video's up, where Momsen is looking incredibly glamorous and elegant, much like a Bond girl, or it's on Spotify and any other places that you listen to your songs nowadays. The album is also well worth checking out, and they're touring at the moment. I am not a shill for the Pretty Reckless, I get paid no money for this, but if Taylor does listen to this and wants to give me free tickets for a gig somewhere, that'd be fine with me. I've already bought them for Manchester Academy in October, so, so don't bother with that one. Fly me out somewhere glamorous, that'd be great. Anyway, I'll be back in a minute with the email section of the show. <laughs> okay, uh, let's have a look at the emails, should we? Hey, Andy, says Robert McCarthy. Hey, Rob. John Byrne must really, really, really like Kirby. If they gave me Superman, Cadmus is not really on the list. Cadmus was just something to jam into Jimmy Olsen because Kirby didn't want to write that. I, I don't know if I made it terribly clear in that episode. John Byrne wasn't on board at that point. John Byrne didn't bring back Cadmus, as far as I'm aware. I've always thought that was Roger Stern and Jerry Ordway because they seem to be the Cadmus fans. But anyway, thank you for emailing it. It's always appreciated. Uh, our next email is from the irredeemable Shag, who's a lovely, lovely man, despite what he may tell you or what you may have heard. Hey, Andy, absolutely loved your Max Headroom episode. During first run, I would VHS record the show and watch the episodes over and over. Never had any friends. That's quite sad. Oh, sorry. Never had any friends who watched it. So it always felt like my own private window into dystopian future that was just around the corner. And in some respects, they were right. Listening to your show, memories flooded back of the series and the original British television movie. Thank you so much for this memory-filled journey 20 minutes into the future. The Irredeemable Shag Fire and Water Podcast Network. You are welcome. And if you haven't listened to Once Upon a Geek, which is Shag's show, which is very much like this one, pop culture, but looked at from somebody who actually likes this stuff, as opposed to all these YouTube videos from people who do nothing but whine all the time, then I urge you to check it out. I was on one of them. I've been on one of them talking about V. So go and check that out because it's good fun. This was just a little bit of fun that I thought you may enjoy. It's a stopgap episode. It's not very long before next time when I go back to talking about Len Wein and Ross Andrews' run on Spider-Man. You can email me at heykidscomics at virginmedia.com if you've got any songs that you've read may or may not have been Bond themes that don't include the Alice Cooper one for The Spy Who Loved Me 
Oh, the Radiohead one for, was it Skyfall? I can't remember. Radiohead did a Bond song anyway, and it, it didn't get used. Okie dokie. I'll be back real soon. Take care. Goodbye.